Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today I am joined by the fabulous comedian Louise Lavelle. Hi Louise, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Bit hot. Oh, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't like promoting myself there. You know, a bit hot. <laughs> that goes without saying love um yeah we're all just uh we're all just naked under a fan here right now so um (laughs) let that conjure up what you will yeah stop stop quite moving around quite so much that's all jiggling a bit you know what i can see (laughs) yeah i'm really sorry about that i haven't been to the gym for a while in lockdown Oh, oh dear. Yeah, it's so hot, it's ridiculous. But you know, that's our sport being <laughs> British to moan about the weather. Um so, <laughs> Louise, what made you um well firstly, thank you so much for joining the Lost in Menstruation podcast. It's great to have you along. Uh you pleasure such an awesome story to tell as well. Um but I ask all my comedian guests, like what got you started in comedy? How how did it all begin for you? Well, comedy's always been a really big part of my life, you know. Um, my earliest memories are like laughing with my parents and my grandparents at, you know, things on TV. So, you know, we as a family, we love comedy. And then um, in my early 20s, I went and watched a lot of stand-up. So I actually saw quite a lot of really famous people when they were just starting out at a place called the Bear Tavern in Birmingham. Frank Skinner started there. Um, So, but I I can't remember a lot of them now. It's all a bit hazy. And uh, at the same time, there was a a BBC One programme called The Stand-Up Show had started. And I absolutely loved it. Um... And at the same time, I just started teaching and lots of funny things were happening to me. So I would sort of be, you know, coming home and telling these stories to like my family and friends and like, oh, you should be on stage, you know, and things like that. And I think I sort of watched the stand-up show and thought, well, that's, that's kind of what I do. Obviously not realising there's a whole craft behind it. Yeah. <laughs> no, they make it look just- very easy. Yeah, just getting up and telling some stories. So that was like, that planted a seed in my mind, I think. So, you know, well, I've got got funny stories I could tell. So I did start to collect bits of material. But then what clinched it was that um, in probably the mid-2000s, I heard that our local art centre, the MAC in Birmingham, Midlands Art Centre, started to run these courses in stand-up. Yeah. But I was a busy single working mom, so I was like, mm, yeah, well, one, one day maybe. So I put it on the back burner. And then, I don't know, a couple of years later, this male neighbour of mine, our like, kids were friends, he sort of mentioned this course um, and said, yeah, he said, people are always, you know, people are always telling me I'm pretty funny. I think I might give it a go. So I said, yeah, I've seen that as well. I said, I've always thought, you know, I'd quite like to give it a go. And without flinching, he just went, yeah, but women, 
they're not that funny, are they really? Oh no. <laughs> the challenge accepted. Yeah. Really. <laughs> oh my god yeah I so, a yeah. blinding second then i thought you were going to say and he said let's just come along with me it'll be great <laughs> well the irony of it is, irony of it is i went ahead and did the course yeah before he did and started gigging and then it was a bit like i think it was a bit one-upmanship he then was like you know oh she's done it i i need to do it now so he did it and he did like three gigs and then packed in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then even now he'll go like, oh, it just, I keep meaning to get back into it. We'll have to have a writing session together. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that ship sailed, love. The moment you said about women in comedy, that ship sailed. <laughs> <laughs> but I do take great delight now and just all every now and again, all I do is just send him a little photograph like, you know, with a particular, like, I sent him a picture with, like, the, uh, the Funny Women logo behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, hiya, still gigging. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, um, you had an experience with premature menopause at 27. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you be able to expand on that a little bit more? Tell our listeners, like, what happened? Was it, like, a spontaneous or a medical one? Or, like, yeah, how, how did that all pan out? Um, I think it was probably late 1995. So, yeah, I was about 27. And I just started to feel not right, not well. I was really drained, very emotional, um sort of everything felt hopeless and I felt like I couldn't cope. So I went and saw my GP and he put it down to the fact that I'd recently moved like out of shared accommodation into um, my own apartment and I was in a very stressful job. I was a secondary teacher in this like massive school um, in the outskirts of Birmingham, you know, heavy workload. And he was like, it's probably stress. Um, over the coming months, other things happened. So my period started to disappear um, and I started to have some sweating. So I went back and saw, just by chance actually, I think, a female GP. And she listened to what I was saying and she sort of said, look, from what you've described, it sounds like we could be looking at a premature menopause. Statistically, we're not due another one because we've just had one in the practice so like if you look at it from that perspective it yeah. shouldn't be you <laughs> yeah. but she said but we need to run the tests because obviously there are health implications so she took blood tests and I think I went back about six weeks later and she was like mm, yeah they're not great but obviously we can't go on one set of results you know can we do it again so we went through another sort of six week wait um and then I yeah I went for the results and she said your follicle stimulating hormone is sky high. Yeah. So your body's trying to like push out those last few eggs. Um, it's actually so high, it's classed as postmenopausal. Wow. Uh, she said, you know, the phrases she literally used to me were your ovaries have packed up and gone home, you've got no eggs left. And if you want to have a baby, you'll have to either adopt or have um, egg donation. Oh, wow. What news to have. Mm. But so delicately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least it stayed in my mind, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there will be that, that's for sure. Um, wow. So how 
yeah what was that like I was I was absolutely devastated I can't I can't really describe it it was like it was like a death it was like a loss because all I'd ever wanted was to be a teacher and a mom that was all that was important to me in life um and I'd sort of you know I'd got this vision of what my life was going to be like really and I'd got this idea that I'd hopefully be settled and a mum by sort of 30 yeah and I'd already had a couple of failed relationships I was a little bit anxious thinking all time's running out for my plan you know um but yeah it was it was grief and I had I had counselling and I can remember you know many times sobbing to a lot of different people yeah um just randomly really I think I was in a bit of shock and disbelief that this was happening to me yeah yeah because it's pretty rare for it to happen isn't it it's not something that you know it is a really rare thing to to do to have that like spontaneous menopause Um, yeah and yeah it is like and you're young and it has major implications for your like health and bones and yes mental health and everything isn't it isn't it yeah 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 Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention the fact that, ironically, a matter of a few months before all of this, I'd actually seen an article in a magazine where it happened to a girl younger than me. And I actually remember thinking, because again, I was feeling this like time pressure to have a baby and settle down. And I remember looking and thinking, knowing my luck, I bet that will happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I do have this, especially like, you know, this thought that actually maybe I... (laughs) invoked it somehow I don't know but yeah well it can feel like that when like weird stuff like that happens but yeah you didn't <laughs> that's just a coincidence it's nothing to do with you, Thank you <laughs> <laughs> so how how did this like affect your life like in terms of you know with wanting kids and stuff like that like yeah I mean I just that's such a bombshell to yeah be dropped on your lap I can't even begin to I mean I never wanted kids like that was never on the agenda for me but that would yeah. still shake you up uh in terms of for your health your implications like I mean we often joke don't we and say oh it'd be great never to have a period again but actually <laughs> you do need them <laughs> they are important for your health and yeah. well-being you know so uh, regardless of wanting to procreate or not or whether you feel they're a pet a giant pain in the vag or not they still <laughs> need all of the process so that you create yeah. hormones and and you're fit and well with it um and to suddenly lose that is a, a massive part of your identity as well I would imagine yeah I, was, I think I was that preoccupied by the whole baby situation yeah. for me that was it centered all around that and I was aware that there were health issues I was aware that I needed to start to look after my heart, start to look after my bones. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I went, I did go literally a little bit crazy and I just like, I had a bit of a like fuck it moment. I was just like, I'm just going to do everything. Why not? Yeah. And I did, I did, I just did all mad stuff. Like I, like I said, I was working as a French and Spanish teacher in a secondary school. Yeah. Um, and I, ended up I volunteered and ended up working on the Euro 96 football tournament amazing <laughs> like, I literally just like went down to Villa Park one day and was like yeah do you need any like help I don't know like, that's, that was yeah. just the 
this it sort of opened up this mentality in me I think of yeah. I don't know I don't know what it was but so I ended up yeah I ended up doing that that was a fantastic couple of weeks that's something yeah. I'll always remember um I took up a lot of different sports just to keep me busy keep me active took on a bar job at the squash club where I was playing squash a couple of nights a week um my friend was doing a lot of different alternative therapy courses at the time yeah and she just qualifying in reflexology so she asked if I would be her case study so I did yeah. that um yeah I just I just filled my time I think really I had counseling yeah well yeah but it's also like like that your, your menopause happens at a certain point in your life where you kind of feel like you'd be doing different things and you know you'd be in a different place so to have it like basically at the start of your life is a really like it turns everything upside down so yeah kind of like a I don't like the term midlife crisis I think that's awful I like to see it as like <laughs> life awakening um, yeah like that <laughs> you do you have like a you just think yeah fuck it all right, yeah. if this is how it's going to be, then I'm just going to throw all caution to the wind and see what happens. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And obviously I started to look into um, adoption and egg donation. Uh, and at the end of it, I didn't like the idea of egg donation, just the whole physical process. I just, I didn't, you know, didn't think I could cope with that. And then I just figured that adoption actually would be a nice thing to do yeah um but I guess the, the life-changing thing I suppose that it brought me was that I had decided that by 30 I was going to get on the path to parenthood no matter what my relationship status and I yeah. was fully prepared to go into parenthood as a single mum yeah. so that it changed my life perspective in that sense I suppose yeah which is a really empowering thing to be it was yeah actually yeah, yeah. It, you know um this is what I'm doing like that is something I want that um you know I'm going to do it on my own and knickers to the rest of you basically yeah which was a big change for me I'd been yeah. very like I said I'd been very traditional in my outlook up to that point yeah you know need to be settled need to be married blah 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 yeah I'll probably then give up work all of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it changed completely you know yeah. it was like no I'm going to do this on my own my parents were behind me. So, yeah, I was like, yeah. And I started each month to, like, save a little bit of money towards this, you know, the start of this process I was going to start in three years' time. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, <laughs> um, and that's, like, a really big thing to get your head around, isn't it? Like, yeah. like, I mean, it can take people a long time, but then it almost as if it happened as sort of more of a snap decision for you because, like your life had been trampled on by a herd of elephants basically like everything because you knew it like that's the knife edge isn't it you go into a doctor's office thinking you know everything's going to be all right that I mean it would be awful to think otherwise but then you get given news that like turns your world upside down and yeah I think it's fair to say it probably knocks people over a little bit but um you know if you can bounce back from that and be like well do you know what I'm gonna make the freaking best of this and uh <laughs> this isn't gonna like knock me down is yeah. like a really healthy attitude to have um but uh yeah so what happened then <laughs> <In my story. laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I had a, a, a very busy time doing all these activities, focusing on my well-being, making all these plans for my future. Yeah. Um, at the squash club I joined, where I was doing a lot of these sports, I um, met a chap, seemed nice, a little bit older than me, uh, went on a few dates. Actually, actually, we went away together. I forgot about that. We, did, we went away <laughs> together. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think he's for me, really. You know, he's nice enough, but we haven't got a lot in common, really. Um, so I was sort of thinking about winding it up. And at this time, I started to feel quite unwell. I, I started to get this sort of niggling pain in my abdomen, which I didn't recognize at all. Um, yeah. It was just this... All, that's all I can describe it as a niggling but really painful yeah so I went to see my GP she poked and prodded me a bit gave me some tablets sent me away uh, then I started to feel sick went back again and she said I think you've got diverticulitis <laughs> so I was looking at changing my diet and all of this uh, nothing happened nothing improved went back again and she <laughs> she said uh I know this is going to sound really unfair, but I'm going to do you a pregnancy test. Mm. And because I'd had that many tests and that much poking and prodding previously, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Didn't really think much of it. I thought it was almost to rule it out. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she did the test and she disappeared off into the other room and she was a great GP and her and the practice nurse had sort of seeing me through all of this trauma and I was regularly yeah. in floods of tears just going I hate coming here it reminds me of the bad news that I got and they were they were really lovely to me and they both came back in crying saying it's positive oh my god <laughs> giving me all the goosebumps <laughs> I went well yeah it's gonna be isn't it I mean I'm on HRT my hormones are all over the place of course it's not gonna be accurate yeah. Fully expecting them to go, you know, come back again in another three weeks and we'll do it again. <laughs> they were like, no, we think it's positive. We're going to like phone the scan department at the women's hospital because it was about four o'clock by this time. Yeah. And they said they came back and they, they're going to keep it open, get down there as quick as you can. Oh my God. So I zipped off down there all on my tod. <laughs> Got there. And even on the table, I was just like, yeah, whatever. And she was like scanning my tummy. Pointed up at the screen and went, you see that little kidney bean? Can you see that little flicker? That's your baby and its heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell did you do? Waterworks. <laughs> Just like sobbing. <laughs> oh, my God. No, oh, my God. Like, what a story. Oh, my God. Yeah. But just, like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> no, I just... No, uh, even now I, 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 I can be back there like in a moment, I can yeah. relive it. And I just, I remember the, the joy, the shock, the, oh, everything. How far <laughs> along were you when, when you found out? Oh God, Matt, like six weeks or something, hardly anything. Yeah, yeah, quite so early. I had to be super careful, kept it quiet, you know. Yeah. Because I've been going around telling everybody, oh, I can't have babies. <laughs> It's like life sometimes. It's just like, well, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I am going to like turn it upside down again. Um, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. um, oh, there's so, so such a lovely happy ending. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, I mean, the chances of that are pretty slim, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just trying to think. So my GP said basically, it's like she said, this is like winning the lottery. This yeah. is this is super rare, you know. And there just must have been the odd egg or two just waiting in there, waiting to be pushed out. So I don't know what stimulated it, whether it was me getting more active or yeah. whether it was the reflexology yeah. or whether it was, um, well, I can't say it was like that I relaxed because obviously I didn't. I went into like grief, like I said. So, but something, or the HR, no, I don't know whether it was the HRT. I don't know, but something obviously just triggered yeah. that last little push. Yeah. And the right guy was there on the right night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know, like, I talk about this a lot because guys are fertile 100% of the time, right? Yeah. Unless you've had the snip. They're just fertile all, all the time. And for women, we're about, it's about 20% of the time that we actually have a window of fertility. So yeah. why, why fertility, like contraception, falls so heavily on our shoulders is beyond me, but that's for another podcast. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so like even on a regular a regular day, it's still an amazing thing that we actually fall pregnant because, like you say, it's such a short window, and um, <clears throat> there's just a lot going against sperm. Basically, vaginas aren't really, and uterus is the most hospitable place for them. <laughs> yeah, we kind of make it quite difficult, um, and uh, yeah, so the fact that the stars aligned is, yeah. It's, it had to be, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It couldn't have been more rare. Like I said, I'd, by the time I found out I was pregnant, I'd already kind of decided I was ending it to be fair. So (laughs) it was, I swear he was sent along for that purpose. I swear. I'm a big believer in the universe and energy and and all of that. So yeah, but you know, I was, I was honest. I said, look, you know, you didn't ask for this to happen. If you want to walk away now, that is absolutely your right and your choice. I respect that. That's fine. If you want to stay in our life at a distance, that's fine. Um, and that's what's exactly what's happened. He's yeah. He's been there, you know, as a constant. He did actually move away with work. So it was he's, he wasn't sort of like in our lives the whole time. But he's been super consistent. He's been a good dad. You know, it's, it's worked out for the best. So I've been a single mum, you know the whole time i mean he's 23 now so (laughs) do you tell him did you tell him his story like as soon as yeah yeah oh my god i think i'd put them to bed telling them that story yeah (laughs) yeah i would absolutely used to about how he was this little miracle baby yeah absolutely and how how much mummy wanted him and you know (laughs) yeah it is incredible and so like after you had hit, how you like your pregnancy and everything all rolled okay and yeah, birth had an um, emergency C-section. Yeah, um, but yeah, other than that, everything. Oh, had um, oh, what's it called? I had to go into hospital just before with high blood pressure, preeclampsia. Preeclampsia, yeah, yeah. So I had that just before. So I was in hospital about a week or so before he was due, um, and then when I came out, had another scare. My blood pressure rocketed again when I came out so I had to go back in again but then I got the all clear um and then obviously as you I'm sure are aware you still bleed for about six weeks yeah but then when that stopped straight into menopause again the night sweats no periods but I held off the HRT because I was feeding yeah 
so um but yeah I went so I sort of I think I gave it about six months yeah um and then I gave up the feed and I had to go back on HRT yeah and so how how has you are you like do you still take HRT now like how has things rolled for you as you've got older it's been rocky because um I think because of the inconsistent hormone levels, I've kind of always struggled with my mental health. I've always had like, you know, um, peaks of anxiety and troughs of depression and things like that at different times in my life. So I don't know how much of that is due to the hormones. I yeah. think it probably is quite a big factor. Yeah. Um, I had to come off HRT for a short while because I was experiencing quite bad migraines. Yeah. I have to say, my migraines finally stopped when I actually got out of teaching. <laughs> Funny, <laughs> so that was interesting. <laughs> um, and then there was a case of, you know, sometimes playing about with the dosage, whether I was on tablets, whether I was on patches. And then last year I couldn't get hold of any HRT because of Brexit. Yeah. So I went a few months without. Um, and I was actually going through a very difficult time personally anyway so my GP said look you know when they become available I think you should think about going back on yeah so I did and then lo and behold February again this year no I think it was March yeah March this year they ran out again so I've just gone cold turkey wow <laughs> like it's it is incredible to me that things like Brexit can stop yeah. Uh, and I mean, you won't be the only person that is on it no. and can't have it. And now, you know, things like this, like, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of synthetic hormones, but for your case, yeah. like, you would have to be on it just, you know, otherwise you'd be in all sorts of trouble. But, um, but yeah, it just, like, how can Brexit stop people having HRT? It's a fucking joke. <laughs> it's so annoying, especially because I'm sure I know so well. Yeah, I know some people who voted for Brexit. Like, yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, we all do. But um, yeah, it's it just it beggars belief that um, that medicines can be affected by things like that. But also, yeah. just sadly, the importance of those are probably not up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the list of things yeah. through and things like that. So yeah, it's crazy, and. Um, do you so do you talk about any of this on stage in your shows or anything like that? No, do you know I don't really because <laughs> I do have lots of other things to talk about all the yeah. time. And I guess I suppose the other thing is, however amazing it was, it, it's twenty three years ago now, you know, yeah. and a lot has happened since. But I mean, I did make, I did used to make a daft joke about um, so I, I started a new relationship in my like mid forties. Yeah, after being single for quite a while and I just remember it was like actually quite a chore to share a bed because like <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it was like you just get so hot all the time and yeah. I just remember like you know you put your feet out and then you bring them back in and I just used to say something stupid like you know now I know how Rod Stewart felt when he wrote the 70s hit hot legs <laughs> and a pause <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, you could probably write a book on the menopausal symptoms. You've had it for so long, right? Oh, God. Well, yeah. I'm just... But the sweats are the thing. But I've never, weirdly, I've never had them as bad as I had them in my 20s. Yeah. They well, were the worst ones. When, when your like, uh, body's kind of 
transitioning like it's like when you start your periods they're all over the shop and then when they go into retirement they also you know go a bit AWOL as well so yeah it would probably make sense that they were worse then and now like as your body's got older yeah and I guess it was sudden back then whereas this is probably being gradual and natural yeah 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 you're kind of more in the arena for when it would be happening now um yeah yeah the rest of your body's kind of catching up um yeah but I can literally remember it was so embarrassing because I'd be standing at the front of the class and I'd literally you know not even in hot weather I'd literally be having to like get tissues and it was like rolling down my face and all like my top would get wet and and then obviously at night it was worse and you know the number of times I'd have to just get up and just completely change yeah literally just soaked it was you know yeah it's grim especially teaching teenagers as well they'd be so (laughs) pathetic to the cause um (laughs) sometimes they'd actually go miss are you all right you're sweating (laughs) i'm just so fucking nervous you guys make me so nervous (laughs) oh dear yeah, I can only imagine um, the, the symptoms around the menopause can be pretty wide and, and varied. And like like yeah. with all the symptoms throughout your whole period, career can be um, different for everyone. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty nuts what the body can do when your hormones go a little bit out of alignment. Yeah. Um, so I always finish... Uh, with asking do you have any funny period stories (laughs) absolutely none because like basically they stopped about oh well over 10 years ago and the you know all I can say is that maybe you could rename this episode lack of menstruation I don't know (laughs) that's all I can think of but yeah a short career for you a short career <laughs> Although I did keep laughing to myself when I was emailing you and saying, Oh, we've had some issues because of the floods. It's like, No, nothing to do with that. It genuinely was a burst water main. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, it's such, we all have such different kind of relationships with our periods and stuff as well. And, yeah, um, yeah. which is, again, like part of the work is just of, just talking about it and uh and sharing these stories because there'll be someone out there listening who either has experienced similar or knows someone who does or whatever else and and reaching out and you know getting the right help and things as well um but it sounds like you did such a good uh job of like looking after yourself which is really key throughout all of that you know like keeping or keeping yourself busy but still doing loads of support of sport and um you know, your reflexology. I love it when people train and stuff like that. And they're like, I need someone. I'm like, yes, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) I will gladly give you my feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just got a quick, interesting thing to tell you about that actually was, um, because obviously as I was being the case study, my friend Zoe was kind of explaining it all to me. Yeah. And she told me about how it's like under the ankle bone is the reproductive areas. Now, when I was about five or six, my parents were tearing their hair out because they could never find sh- school shoes. You know how we all used to go to Clark's for the school shoes yeah. in September? Or <laughs> they could never find school shoes that didn't cut into my ankle bone. Wow. 
So I've probably got, what they said was I'd got a very shallow ankle bone. Yeah. And that just resonated with me. And I was like, oh, okay, does that mean like something is shortened? Like my reproductivity is shortened? Could be. That's so interesting. I did, um, I trained to do reflexology and um, the clients that I had, I, like was my friends basically who were my yeah. pigs when I was training. And I knew all of their cycles inside out. Like they'd come wow. out and I'd be like, yeah, you're probably due on in, you know, maybe this week or if I could, tell if they were post or pre-ovulation or it is fascinating like they text me wow. like, you've done it again I'm now on my period you're a weird witch ass woman stay away from me <laughs> but I'm coming back next week so you can rub my feet <laughs> that's amazing yeah it really oh, is wow. like there's so our bodies tell us so much more than we ever ever give credit for like yeah. that is such like you say it's maybe nothing it's such a throwaway thing but it's not like no. some resemblance and reason as to why that is like it is absolutely and I, love that. I love that we don't really know but it it still matches up with your story yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the universe it is it's so strange our um well I used to help uh, I used to be a doula and you know oh, wow. a lot with um, birth and stuff like that and uh, when when women are um, in labor it's important to try and keep your mouth and jaw relaxed and I know that sounds like totally nuts but it's because it's like it's relatable to your pelvis and I was um, chatting to my osteopath every time I go down and see him we have loads of awesome conversations like this and it because you're when when you're um in utero and being made your um like top part of your spine and your pelvis and the bottom part of your spine are made first and then it joins in the middle so they are completely connected wow oh, I, I love stuff like that <laughs> I know. it's awesome and it's so true like i mean if you're really tense up up here um it makes such a difference during labor to have a really kind of relaxed uh, and again why breathing and everything is so helpful in doing that because it helps to try and just take the tension out of your jaw um, wow that's yeah. straight away that's got me thinking because i've over lockdown i've taken up um online yoga yeah and obviously they you know there's a lot of emphasis on breathing and they do some breath work sessions yeah. and i'm just thinking of the connection there about i did a couple and then wasn't right for me at that time but I'd like to come back to it because it was fascinating but that's just amazing isn't it it's just wow. totally fascinating and that, like those kind of things I think are the nuances that we've lost in, in yeah. now and how it's just oh just take that pill um yeah it's not really looking at the just the weird and wonderfulness of every unique body and and yeah. what they um like my dream would be to have like such an awesome holistic hospital where you know every patient was seen by a, a massage therapist an osteopath a reflexologist and you know they had all that kind of work up it would be amazing everyone would feel so good <laughs> put me put me down for the reiki because i do reiki oh yeah all right you bring <laughs> something could took up as a result of that really because it yeah. was like you know I want a way to be able to help people as well and yeah. so I did that when my little boy was about three and he's got lovely memories of me using the Reiki on him to help him sleep at night things yeah. like that so. oh it's so good yeah I love a bit of Reiki my dog loves it 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah she, she always gets involved and <laughs> kind of like nuzzles in. Like, I love some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been such an absolute joy to chat with you. And thank you so, so much for um, sharing your story with us, Louise. It's been, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful tale. Um, and I'm sure yeah. my listeners will have really enjoyed hearing it. It's been, yeah, what a roller coaster. Oh, it was and you know i'm happy if anybody wants to email me or message me on whatever you know wherever if they want to if they've got questions happy to answer that i always like to help people if i can so amazing <laughs> well i will put all of your links and stuff in the show notes so um people can come find you out if they do want to ask any questions or whatever but thank you so much for your time and being part of the podcast it's been amazing Oh, it's a pleasure. No, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's <laughs> nice to talk with somebody like-minded. Thank you. <laughs> very, very welcome. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved it, feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow. You can find more information on my website, thewellwomanproject.com, or come find me on The Grid on Insta or on my Facebook page. You can also drop me an email, gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem.